Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Broadbent. Joining me is a special guest, Alan Moff, who is a former Kent State beat reporter for the Record Courier. Uh, thanks for joining us, Alan. Sure thing. And he's joining us, obviously, because Rutgers just landed one of its newest assistant coaches, Colin Farrell, out of Kent State. He played there. He's coached on the staff now for over 10 years. And I figured no better person than, than Alan to ask a few questions about. Um, so you've known Coach Farrell for a long time. Just tell us a little bit about him as a person and, and why he's been able to you know, have so much success as a coach. Well, I think, first of all, you know, talk about a down-to-earth guy, uh, a guy that anybody can relate to. Um, you know, players obviously come from all different backgrounds and a universal love of Coach Farrell. Uh, I've never heard anybody through the years say much bad about the guy. Um, just somebody that you can – you connect to just kind of automatically, especially if you're a big defensive lineman, which obviously he was and a very good one in his own right. Um, so, uh, you know, it's been, it, it was all, it was enjoyable watching him grow as a coach, you know, starting as a, you know, a GA under coach Haynes and moving his way right on up to the ladder. He ends up being an assistant head coach and, and now gets this opportunity and he's definitely earned it. Yeah. So he started as a GA under coach Haynes and became a full-time assistant. And then he was able to stick around for coach Lewis's staff. And then he stuck around once again, um, uh, under a third different head coach. And he was considered for the head coaching job when coach Lewis left. Correct. I believe he was a, yeah, I wasn't actually there at that point, but I heard that. He okay. Was. So, so what is it about coach Farrell that really just makes him the type of person that many different head coaches would want to keep on their staff, because this is not common in today's day and age for an assistant to stick around through multiple head coaches, let alone three. Yeah. It says a lot about him. No question. Um, I think sometimes you can have an issue where when you come in as a new coach and you have a guy that's been there for a while and he played there and, and sometimes you view him as uh, kind of maybe not a person that can implement your changes that you want to make. Um, but obviously all those guys kind of saw him, you know, not in that regard. He's a team player. Um, you talk about a loyal Kent state guy that would do anything for the place. Um, and I think they viewed him as not only a really good coach, but also kind of an ambassador to Kent state, um, and, and kind of a connection to where the new guy can connect to the people that are already there, kind of learn from Colin, how, how things operate at Kent state and viewing him in that regard and how he can be beneficial in that role. And obviously he was because, like you said, three different guys come in. Um, very rare that anybody is, is kept through one or two, let alone three guys. So uh, I'm sure that they all talked about the staff that was that was left behind and his name came up and they all said things that deserved to be said about him and kept him on. And is Kent State kind of a unique place where there's a lot of quirks and like you got to have a certain understanding of how the bureaucracy works and he just had a good understanding of that? I see a smirk and so maybe I kind of know my answer that, there. Right? Yeah. Um, as a Mac program, um, you can just imagine, you know, the budget situations and the different ways that they have to get around um, not being able to get you know, elite talent, especially in the line. I mean, uh, kind of, you know, kind of bouncing off your question a little bit. But when I look at Coach Farrell, I mean, this is, 
he had some really good defenses. He had some defenses that struggled against the run. Um, but you got to realize that, you know, when I look at him now, he goes to Rutgers, he's going to have a bunch of talent. And I'm not trying to, to say anything bad about the guys that came before him. He had some really good players at Kent State. But I think it was an overachieved situation in a lot of ways because they didn't have the physical talent. They didn't have the physical tools to, to match up. Now, I look at him, he goes to Rutgers, and, and, and with what he's going to get to work with there and, and the way he can coach, uh, uh, it's going to be really exciting to see how he does there, and they're going to they're going to put up some uh, some good defenses, no question about it. Yeah, Rutgers was in the top twenty five in a lot of defensive metrics last year. They have an experienced defensive line returning. Do you think mm. that was a big part of his decision to leave? Like, it, I imagine it would have taken a very you know ex- extreme circumstance for him to leave, both of an opportunity. He's from New Jersey. He's been at mm-hmm. Kent State forever. Do you think it was just the perfect time, the perfect situation for him to, to kind of be willing to leave Kent State? Yeah, no question about it. Um, I'm sure, you know, you see how loyal he was to Kent State. I'm sure he's has a similar loyalty toward his hometown. Um, and when a, when a situation like this opens up, I'm sure I, I know that he's had other opportunities to go in the past, especially when these coaches leave. Um, you know, you know how that typically goes. They just scatter everywhere. And he definitely would have had his opportunities to go. Um, but this is uh, this is probably the time. I mean, you know, as loyal as he is to Kent State, you know, the years are starting to tick away. And if you're going to make a move, um, if you're him to, to, you know, see where you can take this thing, now's the time to do it. And then you get an opportunity to go to the Big Ten and, and the school and, and where you grew up. Yeah, this is, I'm sure just something he viewed that they just needed to do at this point. Absolutely. Uh, is there any examples that you can think of specifically where – where Coach Farrell took a kid who was kind of raw or, you know, not a highly recruited kid and developed him into one of the top players in the MAC. Um, you could go across. I mean, like I said, I think he did a lot with the <laughs> talent that he had. Uh, and again, not to, you know, I just look at how undersized they were. I mean, if you're Kent State, sure. it's so hard to, to, to recruit size. So I think what they did, especially in the later stages under Coach Lewis, especially, is they kind of went at it in a different way. They're like, we're not going to do try to find 300-pound guys just to find 300-pound guys. We're going to get undersized guys, and we're going to try to do it this differently. And, and you know, the results were mixed. Um, certain teams, it was really hard to match up. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think he got as much mileage out of those guys as he possibly could have as units. Um, as individually, I remember a guy, a local guy named Matt Summers. Uh, he was He's a Kent Roosevelt high school kid in the backyard who was recruited by no one but Kent State. Um and, and, you know, the first couple of years he's there, he, he doesn't do a whole lot. And by the end of his career, um, I remember especially the last several weeks when they're having a really good season, he's making plays all over the field. Um, he's one that really pops to mind right away um, as the guy who, who physically you wouldn't look at him and think that he could play at that level. But he did. And I think Coach uh, Farrell is a big part of that. No question him and a lot of other kids as well. Yeah, I've noticed that in the last few years, <clears throat> Rutgers has been trying to flip Kent State kids late in the process, a few defensive mm-hmm. linemen that we targeted. Uh, there's a kid named C.J. West who's an interior defender on Kent State right now who's one of the best interior defenders in the country. I think PFF had him as like the 14th rated defensive tackle out of like 800 qualifiers. So it seems like he's really either a great talent evaluator, a great developer of talent, or just a little bit of a combination of both. Would you say that's pretty accurate? I would say that's very accurate. Uh, and not only is, uh, you know, he's, he's a very good recruiter too. I know that they had more and more success. I mean, you know, Kent State recruiting, boy, it's it's tough. <laughs> I yeah. mean, until Coach Lewis <laughs> came around, you're talking about two winning seasons since the 70s. I mean, 
oh, you know, man. try to find kids to come to the program, especially locally. And with that kind of a resume, that's very difficult. But uh, he he was able to they started getting more local kids that had some success, which was huge. Uh, the image of the school improved drastically, not only locally, but, you know, nationwide. They've had some pretty good teams. Last year was a rough one, but, uh, you know, and again, he's a big part of all that. No question. He's sitting right there in the middle of all that and, uh, you know, making sure guys that reach their potential, even probably beyond in some situations. Yeah, that's great to hear because Rutgers fans are a little worried that, you know, he hasn't really recruited at a high level, but you're laying out this case that it's incredibly difficult to actually recruit at a high level at Kent State but it's also refreshing to hear that he's a great recruiter as well. Um, so that's good news for, for Rutgers fans. Is there anything in closing that you'd like to kind of uh, talk about? Maybe an anecdote, a funny story, anything that Rutgers fans should know that we haven't already discussed about Coach Farrell? Um, I remember the, he first, he didn't know me very well, and I would come to practices, and the first couple of times, uh, he's like a watchdog, man. He's very protective <laughs> of his program and his kids, and he's looking at me like wondering, well, what's this guy doing? And, then we actually got to know each other after that pretty well, but that was just kind of gives you a general, just little story of a, of the you know the loyalty that he feels toward the, the program he's at and the one he represents, and 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 you know especially at a Kent State where, I mean, there's so many negatives that could be circling sure. around a program like that, but here's a guy that stayed that long and, and oversaw it, you know, a, a huge transformation, and um, you know I think you're, like I said I think you're getting a good one. I think that again I just look at. You know, you give him the tools that Rutgers capable of giving him as a recruiter, as a coach with talent, and I think he's going to do a really good job for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alan. Joining me is another special guest to talk about one of the new coaching hires for Rutgers, Reese Patrikas. He covers Bowling Green for the Falcon Sports Media Network. Uh, he's a student uh, student journalist on campus. Thanks for joining us, Reese. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so obviously I'm here to talk about Julian Campeni, who was the assistant head coach and run game coordinator and also coached defensive line at Bowling Green. Uh, he was there for quite a while as well. He was there for five years. Uh, he's a fairly young coach. Just tell yeah. us a little bit about uh, Campeni in general. What's he like as a, as a guy and as a coach? Yeah, so um, awesome guy. Uh, I got the chance to interview him last semester. Uh, talked to him a little bit about our, uh, Bowling Green's defensive line last year. and awesome guy. Um, I, I quite frankly, I couldn't think of a better person to get this opportunity in campaign. The players love him. Um, and another big thing is just the fact that he's, he's so young. It's just, cru it's like a, you know, crushing loss that one of the, I would say he was probably our top assistant. You know, you see that in his rank being assistant head coach and, you know, but yeah, it seems he's a, like he's, oh, no, you're good. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he gets the most out of his players. Um, and we've, we've seen a lot of development. I've been there for three years. Uh, I've been here for three years at Bowling Green and I, every year the pass rush is just exponentially better. Yeah. And you guys have had some dudes along the defensive line. We were talking about this uh, off the pod, but you guys had the leader in sacks in the Mac conference this year and Cassius Howell, who unfortunately for you guys ended up transferring after this year. Uh, ended up at Texas A&M. You guys had a stud last year in Carl Brooks, the defensive tackle, who had four sacks as a six-round pick for the Packers this year. Just talk about him as a talent developer, because at Bowling Green, you're not, 
you know, recruiting with the Ohio States or the Michigans in the area, you're really having to find those diamonds in the rough. So talk about Campini's eye for talent and his, his ability to develop players. Yeah, I mean, you hit on the big ones there. You got Brooks who's now in the NFL and he's tearing it up. And he um, he was with Campini every step of the way. He finished third all time at BG in sacks um, with uh, 26 and a half, I believe. And Cassius Howell as a sophomore coming in having nine and a half sacks. I mean, it's it, those are just the two big guys. And you've got a couple other guys um, like Anthony Hawkins, who's uh, our, uh, our nose tackle. Um, Dante, Dontrez Brown, who was a three-star, didn't get much playing time last year, and his well, he was a, or didn't get much playing time two years ago, rather monster last season, and it, it it's he he does a really good job at finding those guys who are dogs that you know most of those teams aren't really seeing. Yeah, and we were talking about this also off the pod. It sounded like. You guys have regularly had one of the better pass rushes in the MAC conference. I mean, look no further than uh, the Michigan game this year. We talked about this previously on here, but I mean, having four of Michigan's five turnovers this season come against Bowling Green early in the year, that's a huge testament to how good this defense was this year. Uh, just talk about, you know, what this, what's this, this defense specialized when Campenny was there and just kind of how, how you guys were able to force so many turnovers against the Michigan team. Yeah, so, you know, every coach says it's going to start up front, and it started up front. You know, we had uh, a nice rotation of uh, edge rushers, you know, Howell, uh, uh, Meech Hardiman before he went down in that Michigan game. It there's They were very fast, very athletic, and the the, the scheme that was going down um, really allowed them to play fast. And then the guys that we had rotating up front, were maulers, uh, big boys. You know, they're they're from most of them are from you know like the just like mid Ohio and um uh everyone knows how those uh, midwestern boys develop. So yeah, it's yeah yeah. No, it's a it's an impressive group for sure. Um, is there any kind of anecdotes about Campeni that Rutgers fans should be aware of? Just anything about him as a person, you know, funny stories about him, just anything you could think of that comes to mind immediately when you think of Julian Campeni? The players all love him um, from what I've heard, you know, enough to where um, he posted on uh, Twitter or X or uh, whatever, whatever anyone calls it uh, anymore. Uh, you know, Carl <laughs> Brooks sent him a signed jersey, a nice little message on it. Um, the players buy into him, uh, as a, as their position coach. And that's the big deal. And I think it also comes down to the fact that he was playing football less than 10 years. He was playing college football less than yep. 10 years ago. So he's able to relate to them a little bit better than some of the other guys uh, in the college football world are, um, you know. Yeah, he had a similar path, you know, he didn't go to the biggest school. He went to UConn, you know, he, he developed himself through their program and do a guy who got a cup of coffee in the NFL. And, you know, now he's, you know, he coached at his high school again after he graduated. And then he basically spent, you know, he spent a little bit of time as a GA at Boston college, but he spent yeah. almost the entire time since he's done been playing football at Bowling Green. So it kind of goes to show the, the impact he's made on the university and the program. Um, 
But Reese, really thank you for coming on. Uh, where can where can we find you on your social media, and uh, where can we find your work? Uh, you can find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter uh, at Reese Patricus, R H Y S P A T R Y K U S. Uh, and you can find some of my work on uh, bgfalconmedia.com. Uh, you can go to Sports Tab, click Football, and you'll see my name there. Uh, every two, three articles, and and uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and for everybody Thank who's you for listening. Me. Of course, this has been another edition of the Nerd Report Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.